0: Needless to say, a lot has happened in the past few years. The employee experience has been affected by the shift to remote work, social justice movements, a talent shortage, and an economic downturn. The inevitable result is that employees think differently about their career growth, and employers have to think differently as well. I think back to frameworks that used to be the gold standard for managing career growth, like annual promotion cycles, the path to promotion requiring individual contributors to become managers and forced ranking of employees. None of these make sense anymore, and maybe they never did. So where does that leave us? In this conversation, Barbara Gago, founder and CEO at Pando, shared with me her new paradigm for career growth, just-in-time career progression. We covered topics such as why is continuous management of career growth important? Why does a downturn make it more important to invest in employees' career growth? And is it unreasonable for founders to expect employees to be intrinsically motivated as opposed to driven by extrinsic factors like compensation or seniority? You can listen to our conversation or read the lightly edited transcript. Let's dive in. Barbara, I am so excited to have you on the podcast today to talk about career progression, career growth, which I know is a subject that you have thought about long and hard for a long time. So thanks so much for joining us.
1: I'm super pumped to be here and talk about my favorite topic. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so to kick this off, what's wrong with how companies think about career progression
1: today? Well, there's many problems, I guess. I think the first, just in terms of when you, when we say career progression, we're really talking about employees and how they sort of move the, the organization, what steps they take, how they level up. And I think that the way that companies think about it is. Through performance management. So it's like when we say you can come here, you can grow, we'll develop you. Usually the way we deliver that is through performance management, which is like an annual process. So I think that's the first thing is generally speaking, we need to kind of shift this paradigm of performance management to career progression and career progression is a great kind of frame and what employees are really looking for. So it's like we should be emphasizing that more than performance management and sort of decoupling them, I guess, a little bit. If we want to get into what's wrong with performance management, I would say, and why career progression is not employees don't feel that they have it as much as we think that they should or that they do based on what we're doing. Mostly through that performance management process, we're evaluating people in cycles. People only really feel like they progress at that cycle. So it's like, I hear a lot of HR leaders who are saying, all these employees expect to progress every six or 12 months. And it's like, well, you only have that cadence for progression. Like there is no progression in between that. So I think employee progression is really, how are we moving? How am I moving forward on a continuous basis? Wherever I level up, I need to be able to see that and performance reviews. And that cycle is really the only way that it sort of happens right now. When we think about performance management and career progression, also there's this kind of, and in, in the people space and the people industry, we, we have performance management. Most people don't like performance management. We've been trying to fix it for, I don't even know how long, a long time. And then over the last, I don't know, six years, maybe there's been this whole like, oh, we need to go to continuous feedback. Like feedback's the important thing, but feedback is not necessarily helpful if it's not really anchored also in performance. So there's like, they're kind of disconnected. And then people who are getting feedback don't necessarily know how that relates to where am I at in my current level? How does that relate to what do I need to do to move forward to the next step, et cetera, et cetera. So it's really, we're really lacking in helping employees visualize and understand and see how they're progressing in real time. I think the other big problem is how we measure performance and how we think about performance because employees get to progress when they perform. And the way that we measure performance is through performance management. And that happens maybe every six months or if if you're lucky every six months, usually it's once a year. It's very cyclical. It's static. It's point in time. It doesn't contextualize what the person has done over time. It's just like, this is where you are now. And then we look at the data, which we've collected, and we've collected in sort of a subjective bias and often opaque way because we're saying, okay, employee, I've collected data about you. The manager has done some stuff. Here's what we think and like hand it to you. And on top of it, oftentimes companies force managers to kind of force rank people on a bell curve or put them in a nine box, which is pretty arbitrary and subjective as well. And so I think the way we look at measuring is also broken. So the structure at which we do it, the cadence at which we do it, the way that we measure it is all not great. And therefore we can say we invest in employee development and progression, but it's really hard for employees to see or understand that. And I think given the current context as well with distributed work, this becomes a lot more complicated and hard if you don't have that structure and if it's not really transparent to in place.
0: I'd love to talk about the forces that are driving us to this point where continuous career growth and and continuous sort of management of career progression is a really important corporate imperative. I don't want to date myself and I'm actually not that old, but I think back and probably before my time, I think there was kind of just a general understanding across industries that You might never get promoted. You might just stay at the same level for most of your career. Yeah. Also, like, you know, you might be at a traditional company where it's sort of expected that you stay in a particular role for two or more years and having a promotion conversation be completely out of the question before the end of that period. For example, I I started out my career in management consulting and then went into private equity investing. And in both of those professions, your kind of entry level for two years, and there's like a standard salary that you get, standard title. And at the end of that two years, you're sort of you come up eligible for possible promotion, but you might not get it. And so the idea of continuous career growth, For some people might sound, particularly for some managers, I think might sound like a lot of pressure. Like, does this mean that people are constantly going to be asking for promotions? Yeah. I think that's probably the devil's advocate take to this. Totally. What explains like why we are where
1: we are right now? It's like we have to change the paradigm of it being a promotion so much as leveling up. And that's where the language around progression is really important because I mean, the workforce is getting younger. With digital tools and technology, we can track and measure everything in our sleep, in our waking life, everywhere. With all of the tools that we have for work, I mean, I come from go-to-market sales and marketing. So I have had a lot of data, a lot of tools, a lot of structure to understand the funnel and measurement and all these things. Employees have nothing to measure how they're performing. And I think that there's a few kind of big shifts. One is That like the biggest one that's changed and it already has changed, but still many companies haven't really adopted that change yet or embraced it is this idea that you're an individual contributor. And then at some point you're going to become a manager. And that's how you sort of work your way up and make more money and can be successful. And that's just wrong. Like people. Well, first of all, there's, it's called Peter principle when you actually put people who are really strong individual contributors into manager roles because you just promote them to the level of incompetence, then you end up with a really bad situation of middle management sucking. And we all know that a lot of middle management sucks. And it's because we tend to do that. We haven't built systems to reinforce values of I can be an individual contributor or a subject matter expert and I can stay in that role. My title might not change, But I should still be able to progress and maybe your title would change at some point. But like the idea of having parallel paths and like splitting those out and having individual contributor track actually have more steps. You mentioned staying in the same level your whole career. A lot of times that happens because companies base their leveling frameworks off of compensation benchmarks and compensation benchmarks only have six levels. So then we only have six levels. But then now you have all of your engineers pretty much are in level four, maybe level three, level four. But the problem with that is if I'm an engineer level four and then you up level a level three and I've been an engineer level four for like three or four years, I'm going to be like, what the heck? That person is definitely not as senior as me. Why are we at the same level? So there's a lot of dynamic shifts in terms of knowing that manager path isn't and shouldn't be the only path. There's a lot of studies actually that I think only 12% of employees want to be managers. So we need to reevaluate how we're thinking about how people progress and move up in the organization. It's not fair and it's not equitable and you end up with a lot of pay issues when you have These few levels with really wide bands because that level four engineer who's been there for four years probably gets paid way more than the other one. Then how do you explain why they get paid more if they're at the same level? And then everybody just wanting more transparency and structure around this. So it's like, it's really inevitable. But not only that, we should be way more agile and nimble about how we're thinking about the biggest resource that we have as an organization, which is our people. Instead of holding everybody until a certain point in time, okay, in January, we're going to review everybody and then we'll see what happens. Why don't we do this in a more agile way, which is really where we get into this kind of concept of continuous progression.
0: Those are really good points. I think you named a lot of examples. The Peter principle, the idea that like not that many people actually want to be managers that I think will resonate with a lot of folks. Everyone's seen this, but maybe haven't come up with a solution for how to address it.
1: It's a big change for managers, for people in power who benefit from the current systems. I mean, that's the biggest discomfort, I would say, because my values and what we push and would love to see is even that manager and IC compensation is on par. So like if you're a level seven IC and a level seven manager, to get to that level seven IC, you have a serious amount of domain expertise that is mission critical to the business and creates a lot of value. And just because you're a manager doesn't mean you're better or should be valued more. So I think it's it's like a different role. It's a different set of skills that only 12% of people want to do. And maybe I don't know how many are actually good at it. Like It's really about aligning your resources with where they're the best and how do we get the most people performing the most, right? It's the best. It's not about, oh, who are my top performers? My goal is how do I make everybody perform the best or as many people as I can? Forget about the bell curve.
0: So I'm trying to think about what metrics matter when you're talking about this new type of career growth. It sounds like from your perspective, this is not just about the promotion. There's career growth that happens in between promotions. So is the metric here like productivity, basically like a a per-person productivity metric? Is it equity? Is it how fast people are getting promoted? How, How do you measure whether a company is handling career growth well?
1: So from my perspective, I mean, this is a big part of the thinking that went into how we're thinking about Pando and what we're building. But as I mentioned, I come from sales and marketing. If I have a lead source that is delivering high quality leads consistently, I'm going to double down on that lead source. I'm not going to wait until the end of the quarter. I'm not going to wait until the end of the year to then be like, okay, this was the highest performing lead source. Now let me spend all my money there. I want to be able to iterate and move quickly on that. So I think from a employee perspective, uh, it should be similar. So when you have people who are really excelling and really killing it, we want to like remove the road blocks and enable them to continue to progress. And I've, I've talked to so many people who are, you know, top performers who are just like, yeah, I'm not getting promoted because we have to wait for performance reviews or whatever it is. So I think that we really need to have systems in place that enable a structure that give us data that lets us see what this sort of what I call employee growth Well, we're going to be calling it employee growth score, but like what's the growth velocity of an employee? And you would expect that the lower levels, it's going to be much higher and at the higher levels, it'll be slower because you're like more senior, more junior, but really understanding what that growth looks like over time so that you can really optimize it. When I was at Greenhouse, we came up with this concept of employee lifetime value, which is very similar to customer lifetime value. And I think that this is, we really need to get better at thinking about how do we optimize the return that we're getting from talent that we have, right? Like, how, And how do we make that compounding? Like your dollar-based net retention needs to be 120 or 130. Like how do we actually optimize the employee experience? And I believe that this is what's tied to growth and the more continuous and sort of fluid we can make Employee progression and growth, the more we can optimize the outcomes that we get for the business, because like there's the question of, Oh, well, there has to be a business need to level somebody up. And I think that if somebody is delivering and consistently delivering and getting business results, then there is a need to level them up, which is keeping them and having them continue to <laughs> deliver those metrics. And I think we, our mindset is sort of formatted to people can't level up because we only have so few levels. And it's very simple. It's like, okay, so let's have more levels, break down compensation bands more narrowly. And this actually has a huge benefit, which is it's more equitable because now that level four engineer is maybe a level six engineer. And that level three that just got leveled up to level four is a level four. And the comp bands don't need to be wide. They can be narrow. And I think it's just my belief is that we're moving towards this stuff being a little bit more transactional. We're seeing that in the legislation that's going out, that you have to have compensation visible on job roles. Like this is all going to impact, okay, well, if we have this compensation, what is the level? Okay, well, what does that level mean? And then it's all just come back to, okay, we have to have structure and transparency around this. So I think there's a great opportunity and It's definitely doable. It's just kind of shifting our mindset of how we've traditionally thought about it. And it's really not that complicated. We just need to add more levels, have more narrow comp bands, have systems that enable us to track employee development over time, which also empowers them to see sort of where they're at. So it's a win-win. They can see they have growth in between the times that they level up.
0: I'm thinking about the currencies that matter to people when they feel encouraged and like they really want to stay at a company. One is obviously, you know, what level are they, what their compensation is. I also remember, you know, when I was at GainSight, a common thing that people coveted was recognition, which might not yeah. have had anything to do with the level or the compensation they had. You know, for example, were they asked to speak it in all hands? When a senior leader wrote an email to the company describing the highlights from the last week. Did they mention a particular person who did an amazing job, who got to speak at the annual company conference, you know, during the keynote or during, you know, other sessions? You know, there were a lot of different ways that I think people felt as though they were being appreciated and also that they were building a career asset in the sense that they right. were building reputation that didn't have so much to do with like leveling and promotions. I'm curious to know, like, how do you think about recognition fitting into this broader career growth puzzle?
1: I mean, I think it's 100% linked. As you mentioned, like all of those things, I would say are signals. It's kind of bi-directional. The way to create continuous progression from our perspective is like creating levels and then competency-based rubrics. Those rubrics then define what those competencies mean at each level. And oftentimes, the criteria for performing in those competencies at that level will be some of the things you just mentioned. So it's kind of bi-directional. It it's shows recognition when you get invited to do those things, but it's also literally part of the things or the behaviors that might be exhibited if you're doing a really good job at that level. So it is very intertwined. I think recognition also is a way of getting feedback. I think that people don't get enough feedback and it's not, we haven't done a good job at structuring in a way to really help people develop. If you're a really good manager, if you have one, you're lucky, it's not usually the case. And the recognition is obviously a big set of feedback, but it's also 100% linked to signals, both for yourself as well as peers that you're kind of leveling up but i would say in the criteria for those levels it's also it would also be demonstrated as things that you should be doing or types of things that you would have done like speaking at a conference or speaking at the company conference or running a lunch and learn or yeah presenting at the all hands all of those things those actually do come up as examples in a lot of the competencies that we have for example in Pando
0: these are behaviors that are expected to progress from stage to stage or or level to level. And each of these behaviors actually requires a certain type of skill that you've developed, like public speaking or managing a group
1: conversation or championing yourself, building relationships cross-functionally. I think with career development, still you always need champions. You need good management. You need good coaching. It's not like a 100% individualized. I think we need to create structures that are fair for everybody. So everybody has kind of the equal opportunity to know what they need to do to grow in the organization. It requires a lot of dimensions. It's not just one thing.
0: What would you say to someone who said, you know, people should be intrinsically motivated to do a good job at work and these external things like money or levels shouldn't really factor into whether people are engaged day to day? obviously very naive opinion. But I think there are some people, particularly in like older generations who really believe that.
1: Yeah, it definitely comes up. And it's also I don't know if it's a bias necessarily, but it's it's an assumption that isn't really fair because people work to support their families and it's a livelihood. And I think we as organizations and company builders owe it to the people that we hire to show them what they need to be successful. It's the same with interviewing. People do interviewing sometimes to trick the interviewee or whatever, but it's like, why not prepare them for the process? Let them know what the steps are. Get the best outcome possible from them to represent like what potential you can get out of this person when you hire and not, oh, let's try to trick them and see how do they respond to this. I think we need and we owe it to employees to show them what they need to do in order to progress and how they can level up. And when it comes to intrinsic, extrinsic motivation, I think everybody's different. And I and I really feel that that's the important thing of creating equitable career progression systems is that everybody is different. Everybody has different motivation. Some people they still want to grow, but they don't care about it as much or maybe they're happy where they are. And they're delivering. That's fine. Other people are going to be like light speed getting to the top as quickly as they can. I just don't think that's realistic either. It's like people work to get paid to pay for their lifestyle or their family or whatever it is. So as much as culture makes that experience much more enjoyable and you can get a lot more value out of employees from creating an open, transparent, great culture... At the end of the day, it's, yeah, some people will be and some people won't be and not, it's not going to be a hundred percent either way.
0: I think this is a real mind shift that a lot of founders need to make is, you know, I think a lot of founders are intrinsically motivated. You know, a lot of them are very creative people. They have this. I'm talking to a founder right now, you know, like they have these, these. these beautiful ideas that just like need to be birthed and they're often forgoing salaries you know for a significant period of time maybe there's some major payout later but they're clearly motivated by intrinsically you know by something that's not money or i think in most cases and in most cases where they're successful and i think it can sometimes be hard for founders to hire a larger organization that is constituted of people who are mostly different from them in that respect that as you said you know their families are the most important thing in their lives. They want to support them. They want to just have stability in their lives and feel like they're progressing day to day. So particularly as a founder yourself, like what tips would you have for founders that are trying to make that mental adjustment?
1: Let it go. I mean, it's just, <laughs> if you want to talk about diversity, it's all types of things and being intrinsically motivated or extrinsically motivated is also, you know, a, a type of diversity. You're not going to hire everybody who believes. I mean, you're going to hire people who believe in what you're doing. I think everybody at Pando, for example, is very much aligned with our mission. But we also just have to build cultures that enable people to be successful and obviously we hold people accountable too but everyone is not going to be motivated by the same things i i actually we don't do this in pando but it was one of my earlier ideas with how it all comes together in terms of having like a portfolio of what you can get basically not get but like it doesn't necessarily have to be money maybe you want to do donations or maybe you want more time off or whatever it is, like having some kind of portfolio of things you can pick and choose for how you want to like get your reward for performing or whatever. It could be really interesting, but advice just, it's not something you can really control. I don't think it's realistic to expect everybody is, you know, intrinsically motivated. It's wonderful when people are. And I think we get a lot of benefit from that out of as founders. But especially as companies get bigger, you need to be more realistic about creating tools and systems that get the most out of everybody, but also not have the expectation that everyone's the same in that way.
0: Final question for you, Barbara. So we are, you know, obviously in the middle of macroeconomic uncertainty, (laughs) you know, however you might define that. What do you think about Investing in people in this moment in time. Why is it important? Why should founders not shortchange career
1: growth as a priority? It's a great question and it's definitely timely. I've been thinking about it a lot, just talking to customers and, and prospects and even investors who, you know, have this assumption that people will cut HR budgets. And that's true that some of that might get cut because maybe they have a lot of tools. That's not crazy to think. And they're cutting across the board. Um, but I think that it's really when you, if you have to lay people off, for example, which many companies have, everybody who's left is really traveled and uncertain and scared. And it's really important that they feel that they still have a path. I mean, you want them and you need them, obviously. And if your company is going to be successful, you need to keep them engaged and keep them growing. So I think it's actually the time to kind of double down on that type of people programs in terms of thinking about what their career aspirations are, their goals, what other types of opportunities do you have in the organization that they could take over? I think this concept of continuous progression that we're really excited about and seeing companies start to adopt is a great way even to like shifting your mindset of performance management is even a great way to help you manage cash flow even better. Because at Greenhouse, for example, we didn't do performance review cycles on an annual basis. Just as people leveled up, that was a conversation between them and their manager. They would put forward a promotion package proposal and that would get approved or it wouldn't or whatever that means that you're iteratively progressing people throughout the year and leveling them up. And the cost impact then is much less to if you're doing it at the end of the year, because regardless of whether or not you laid people off, you're still going to have to go through this process and and evaluate compensation and do all that. And so the more agile you can be about it, the better it is in this this kind of climate as well. So needs to be invested in still people who are left really need to feel safe and taken care of and that you still support them and you're you have to show them that you're supporting them by helping them understand what their career can look like and giving them opportunities to grow and then I think you can also improve cash flow management in this kind of climate by doing it in a more agile way and less cyclical way.
0: I love that. Great note to end on. Barbara, thank you so much for taking the time to chat. Of
1: course. It was fun. Thank you for having me.